0: If you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 27. We're going to be in Acts chapter 27 and 28. You know how many chapters are in Acts? How many chapters are in Acts? Somebody tell me. Come on. Anybody know? 28. And we're in Acts chapter 27. We're in the first chapters 28. So you know we're coming to the end of this book. That's all I was trying to get across, guys. It wasn't a trick question like, how many books are in, how many chapters in the book of Acts? Jesus? No, that's not the answer. It's actually a number. So I, thought, I think you think it was a trick question or something. Um, and if you don't have an outline, the outlines are right out there, message outline. As I say, it's a ministry, uh, ministry counter right out there. I've never been in a storm that involves a boat and water. I've never been in one, but I've, I've been in a lot of, involved in a lot of storms. And I, I'm sure in my hunches you're, you're the same. They've, you haven't been a, maybe involved in a storm that involved a boat and water. Maybe you have, but you've been in a lot of storms like I have. And some of those storms that you might be in might be relationship difficulties. Some of those storms that might be in might be challenges with children and and maybe with parents. and, And maybe it's storms that you have with family members. And maybe it's storms where a loss of a loved one. Or health issues, a storm of health issues. Or maybe it's unemployment or financial difficulties, all kinds of things. Storms, they're all part of life, aren't they? We all have them, right? They're part of life that we have. And storms are opportunities, but for many of us, when we get in a storm, I'm, I'm sure our prayers are kind of similar. We all come in those storms and say, Lord, get me out of this, right? In the storm, now I want out. I want to see some sunshine. I don't want any more wind, right? We, we kind of share that we all have the similarity in our prayers. But when we, we went out of the storm, little do we realize that inside of that storm, the storms are opportunities for God to do some great things in our lives. And that's what God wants to do. Many of you have seen the, the clip multiple times of the Boston uh, bombings that happened in Boston during the marathon race, uh, right by the finish line. And if you look at the video, right after the video, after the bombs that happened there, there were people running in two different directions. There was the first group of people that were running away from the explosion, away from the smoke and everything that was happening there. They are running for their lives. And then you see the other people, the other group, they were running in the opposite direction. They were running toward the smoke, toward all the chaos and everything that was going on. Those were their first responders. And they were running, men and women were running, trying to make a difference and save lives in the midst of all that. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves running into storms many times. That we have to run into storms. And that's what God has called us to do. In Acts chapter 27 and, and 28, we find the apostle Paul is in a storm. And let's trace our pathway in that storm, if we can have the map up there on the screen. Uh, The apostle Paul is in a storm. Remember, Paul was making his way here from Jerusalem all the way over to here by Jerusalem up to Caesarea. And he's coming there by heavy guard. Remember, 470 men. The the captain made sure that Paul was going to get to Caesarea safely. So he had 470 men to escort him there. And now Paul's there. And he's been promised by God that he's going to make it all the way to Rome. Because in Rome, he wants to share the gospel of Jesus Christ by sharing his story to Caesar there. So as we look at this map, as I said, the Apostle Paul has been here now in Caesarea for two years. He's waiting and waiting to finally get all the way over here. He wants to get to Rome, and he's waiting to get over here, and he's waiting. And finally, after two years, he's boarding a ship with the Centurion in charge, and he travels from here to Sidon, which is about 80 miles away. He travels here, and they port there, and then the Apostle Paul is able to meet with, by generosity of the centurion, able to go meet with some friends and stuff, and they provide his needs while he's there at that port in on. So then all of a sudden, and remember, right now, as they're traveling from here to here, it's probably around 60 A.D. in the month of August. So then they take off, and they travel along here, and they come up by Cilicia and Pamphylia, and they come through here, and, and as I said, during this time, the weather's kind of getting kind of heavy on them. And uh, he travels and gets to this port called Myra. And Myra is here the place where they kind of change ships. And they get on a ship that came from Alexandria and heading to Italy. But keep in mind, as I said again, that the weather is starting to change. The winds are starting to pick up. It's kind of late in the season for sailing. And it can be very, very dangerous in sailing at this time as we are sailing here. So the Apostle Paul now, he's in Myra. He travels over here to Nidus. They stay there. and They port there at Nidus. They take off. They come down here and they sail, they pass Simone, they come around here and they get to the southern coast of Crete and they get into fair havens here. And this is where the apostle Paul is gonna share some news, kind of give some advice to the centurion and the captain here to tell them something. And this is where we wanna pick up our story right here in Acts chapter 27, verse nine, if you have your Bibles. It says, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the fast. The fast was the Day of Atonement. Uh, it, it, so it was already past mid-September, as they're looking at. They say mid-September to mid-November was very dangerous to sail. From mid-November to mid-February is catastrophic. So they're already in the very dangerous area of trying to sail right now as they're arriving here and they're trying to sail. So verse 9, at the end of verse 9, so Paul warned them. Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. So there was a harbor in Crete facing both, this was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. On the ship, what you found were 276 people. And some of them were sailors, some were uh, soldiers, and some were prisoners. You also find the the, that Luke was there also, and that was an apostle, but Luke was there. We find that from verse 1, chapter 27 of Acts in verse 1, that he includes himself there. He's along. He's a first-hand witness of what is going on, so he's writing all this down. You wonder, how do we get all this detail? Because Luke is writing it all down. So Paul, for, Paul offers them some advice there, but what does a kind of a missionary or preacher know anything about sailing, right? He's going to offer them some advice. And he says to them, "said the route's going to be that bad. It's going to be very dangerous. In other words, what he's saying is maybe we should stay here for the winter and not move on. But the centurion, he's in charge, and the centurion listens to the captain. He listens to the owner of the ship, and the majority said, no, we need to move on. We can't winter here. We need to move on. And they moved on, but it it was going to be very, very difficult. So they wanted to uh, kind of go on in their journey, extend on in their journey, and they want to leave this place, and they want to wind up over here at Phoenix right here. That's where they want to go. As they try to go out here, the storms hit them. And the storms hit them, and they're not able to make it to Phoenix. So they come by here, this, this little island here. It says Claudia up here, but it's called Cotta. They come by here. They see this, and they're trying to make it. And the next thing they find them, trying to get over here, they find themselves out in the open water right out here. And this is where they reach their storm. And they're caught in a storm, and there's nothing they can do about it. And it's horrible. They weren't able to eat. They weren't able to provide, prepare food or anything like that. And they're caught in this storm. And obviously they couldn't sleep. And you find out how bad it was in Acts chapter 27, verse 20, you see how desperate it was. If you could look at that, Acts 27, verse 20. One says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. you ever been in that place in a storm where you've been in it and you're saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't see any hope. And then you finally get to the place in the storm and say, I don't know if I want to make it, right? I'm in that place in the storm. I don't know if I want to make it. I see no hope, and it just seems all dark and gloomy and everything. People in the midst of storm long for security and stability. They long for that. So if we have our outlines ready, let's give some advice. Storms are opportunities, number one, to encourage people with God's truth, to encourage people with God's truth. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. Let's look at verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice, not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. In other words, Paul says, I told you so. You shouldn't have done that. That's what he says right there in verse 21. But most people out there, they said, I told you so. They're taking that last stab, and then they end up walking away. I told you so. You shouldn't have done it, and then they walk away from you, right? But that's not what the apostle Paul does. He doesn't walk away from the situation. He's right in the midst of this situation. He goes on in verse 22 through 26, and he says this, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God, whose I am, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So Paul says, I have some good news that the ship is going to wreck. That, I mean, some bad news, the ship is going to wreck, right? And everything's going to be lost, but I have some good news, you're all going to make it. You're all going to live. That's the good news, right? You're all going to live. That has to be very encouraging words to people who are in the midst of a storm that you're not going to die. And Paul says, because God said so, God told me through an angel that you're all going to make it many of you remember the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that? Happened November 10th, 1975. I'm sure many of you were alive back then in 1975. I know I was. There was a cargo ship was on Lake Superior. A storm hit. The ship went down and 29 people lost their lives during that time. And Gordon Lightfoot, if you remember the story, Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song that's probably one of the best known uh, and remembered ballads of all time. It was the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that? Somebody shake their head. Nobody remembers that song. Nobody knows that song. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Nobody knows the song, Edmund Fitzgerald, the record, Edmund Fitzgerald. Anybody? Shake your head. Couple, couple, couple. Okay. Well, anyway, there, it, it, in that song, it typifies what a lot of people say in the midst of a storm, what he writes there, and it goes something like this. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn minutes to hours? Do you know that answer to that? Because that's what many people are asking over and over again when they're in the midst of their storm. Where are you, God? Where's your love, God? Where is it? Where are you? And where's the love of God during this? That's what they're asking. And followers of Jesus who know Jesus have the answer to that question, don't we? We didn't receive it from an angel didn't speak to us, but we have it from God's Word. We know the truth, right? So we can give people encouragement who are wondering Where does the love of God go when the waves turn minutes to hours? We can give them an answer. We can say to them, the word of God doesn't go anywhere, right? Because the word of God is right here. The love of God, I mean, the love of God doesn't go anywhere because the love of God is right here. You have to know in the midst of the storm, God has said you can never be separated from the love of God, right? That there's no storm that can come between a wedge and you in God's love because God is always there. His love is always there. We have to understand it. We have that great encouragement to give people. Because people in the midst of a storm are often wondering I all alone. Will it ever end? Will I make it? Am I going to make it through this storm? Into which we can give them the promises of God from God's word, right? We can encourage them with those promises that we get, not from us, but from God's word, that there's hope. There's hope. But, I, but I'm wondering if it's possible that too often we as followers of Jesus, we see people in their storm, and what we do, we get that life preserver of God out, we get that, promise preserver of God out, and we kind of take it, and we wind up, and we throw it to people as far as we can out there to them, and say, I'm praying for you, and that life preserver of God falls somewhere near them, right? And man, I did my thing, we walk away. I'm wondering the challenge of God for all of us as followers of Jesus, for those who say that we follow Jesus, if he doesn't say, I want you to take that life preserver of God, the promises of God, and I want you to go into that storm, help those people out. I want you to take those promises of mine and go right in the midst of that storm and be there with those people and help them through their storms that they have in their life. There are people in the midst of their storm and they're wondering, is there a God? They're wondering that. And many people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior through through a storm, right? Through difficulties in their life. People come to know Christ during that time. Amen? You're with me, right? One person, you're with me, right? Many people come to know Christ as their Savior through a storm and they're wondering, is there a God? And if they're is a god does he care and if there is a god does he have power enough to get me through this is what they're asking can he get me through these things and we as followers of jesus christ can come alongside of them with the promises of god from god's word and we can share with them that there is a god and that god is very powerful and he loves you very much and he cares for you so much so much that he sent this son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And so now you can have hope through your storm, in your storm, through Jesus. Amen? And that's what we can share with them, the good news. Is it possible that God even allows the storms in our life to help us to recognize that we were never meant to live this life apart from him? God allows storms in our life to say, boy, the storms are bigger than you. You're going to need more help than what anybody out there can give you. The only one that can give you that help is God. Is it possible? Yes, of course. Am I the only one that I try to work out my storms and get through my storm on my own strength. That I want to kind of fight the wind by myself and fight the waves by myself and my own strength. But there comes a point of, of desperation like we have in verse 20. You look in verse 20 where we, we can't fight it anymore. We'll be used all of our strength and all of our resources that we have. and says I have no more strength or resources to fight this. And where we come to that point and God says, now here I am, I can help you. We got to surrender to God because we tried everything that we can. And God says, I'm right here to help you. The storm moves on, and it's really bad when you have sailors and you have soldiers and you have prisoners, but the sailors tried to escape from the ship. And that's exactly what happened. The sailors are trying to get out. The sailors pretended to let down some uh, anchors from the bow, but what they're really letting down is some lifeboats because they, know they want to get in those lifeboats and save themselves because they know the ship is going down and they're trying to do this. So the Apostle Paul goes to the centurion and the soldiers and says, hey, we got to keep these sailors on the boat. They're trying to get in the lifeboats. So the centurion tells the soldiers, go cut the ropes of lifeboats and and release them, get them out of here so they can't get on them. Because he says, we need these sailors to come back because we need their help to keep this boat together as long as possible for it to happen. So what happens next is the storms are opportunity number two to give thanks to God, to give thanks to God. In Acts chapter 27, verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged him all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single ha- hair from his head. And after he had said this, he, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. So Paul gave thanks in the middle of the storm. And that's what we find out. But storms, we find out something about storms. It's, the storms take our focus off of everything else, doesn't it? That when we get in a storm, we lose sight of everything else. We just focus on that. We said they haven't eaten for 14 days. Or maybe it was because the inability to prepare food during that time. All hands were needed on deck during those those times. And so probably during those 14 days, they hadn't slept much. Or if you could sleep, try to stay to sleep during a storm, right? It's hard to stay to sleep during a storm when you have them. But storms will do that to people, where food doesn't seem very important or sleep doesn't seem very important when you're going through a storm, right? And so storms will do that. No sleep, no food. And what happens? Exhaustion sets in. And the Apostle Paul recognizes that. And he says, let's eat. You've got to eat something you're going to need your strength if you're going to survive because the ship is going to down and you're going to need all the strength you need to make it to shore is what he's tell, kind of sharing with him and he took the bread and he gave thanks to god now think about that like who gives thanks in the middle of a storm have you ever done that Right in the middle of a storm, I mean, things are coming down, and you don't know what's going to happen, if you're going to make it or not. And you also, a sudden, God, I thank you for this storm. I thank you for what I'm going through right now. This is wonderful. This is magnificent. Do you do that? I, I think that many times when I went through a storm, when everything kind of settled down and calmed down, I was able to kind of lean back and say, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I made it through the storm. Thank you for the lessons that I've learned, and thank you how my faith has is, is grown during that time. But I've never done it in the midst of a storm. I can't remember. Saying, God, thank you for the storm that you've given me. Have you ever done it in the middle of a storm, right in the middle where you're going through things? I mean, you pray to God and say, God, help me through it, guide me through it, but actually give thanks to God. Thank you, God, for what you've given me today. Thank you for all that I'm dealing with today. Thank you. Do you say that in the middle? We need to be reminded what the Apostle Paul said to Thessalon- Thessalonians. He said, Be joyful and give thanks in all circumstances. They would even give thanks in the middle of a storm, in the midst of a storm that we're in. We're to give God thanks and those types of things. By the way, along the way, what they're doing, they're, they're trying to gird up the, the ship right now. They're throwing a rope around the ship, and they're trying to hold it together, everything together, what they're doing. They, they throw things overboard, to light in the ship. They're throwing grain. Anything that's not nailed down that they don't need, it's going overboard, to light in the ship, so it can go as far into land as possible without running aground. But they're looking for land. They can't find it. And finally, daylight comes, and they see land. And so what they do, they cut loose the anchors. They untie the ropes that are holding the rudders. They hoist the sail, and they head for the beach. And they're going toward the beach, and they're running fast. And then the ship runs aground. hits kind of a sandbar or something, runs aground. And the ship starts to break apart. And the soldiers say the prisoners are going to escape. So what we need to do is kill all the prisoners. Kill all the prisoners right then. And the centurion steps in. The centurion at the beginning of the story didn't want to even listen to the Apostle Paul. Remember, he didn't even want to listen to him. But now at the end of the story, the centurion says, no, don't bother the prisoners because the Bible says he wants to protect the Apostle Paul. How did that happen? How did that change so quickly during that time? That now he looks at some value of the Apostle Paul and he wants to protect him. Hey, have you ever noticed that when you're going through a storm that people are watching you? They're watching you as you go through your storm and how you're reacting. And the Satorian is watching the Apostle Paul, and his life is changed by watching the strength and the courage and the faith of the Apostle Paul. He's changed by that. He's watching him. Look at at this man, how he's handled all this. They got to this place in the journey. If we get to have the map again, they got to this place in the journey. Remember, they're out here, and now they're out in the storm, and they're going. But they got in this place in the journey as they're going, to this little island over here called malta you've heard of that island right they got to this island called malta and they ended up here and and once they get there the ship runs aground and, and stuff like that they land on there but it runs aground and the ship is breaking apart and those who could swim swam and those who couldn't they grabbed part of the wreckage and they cling to it but they all made it to land safely is what the bible tells us and the people on the island of malta are warm and friendly but it's really cold and wet there so they build a fire and they build this fire, and the Apostle Paul is gathering sticks and wood for the fire. And he's ready to put it in. And there's this viper, a snake, that's trying to get out from the fire, the, the warmth from the fire. And it latches on to the Apostle Paul's hand, okay? A snake bites him. Well, the people on the island are looking at this at what happened. They said, this guy must be the worst of murderers. Even though the storm didn't kill him, he's getting his judgment, not by the storm, but now by a snake. He's definitely going to get it. The Apostle Paul just shakes the viper off his hand into the fire. And now the people are watching him to see if his hand swells up and he falls down and dies. They're just waiting for him to die. But it didn't happen. So now what happens, they kind of have the opposite conclusion that this guy must be a god. Because it didn't affect him at all. The viper didn't affect him. The Apostle Paul went on to serve, and for one, putting together a fire, providing wood and warmth. A fire, But he began to serve in many other ways, is what we see there. And one Publius, who is the chief official of the city, his father was sick, and Paul went to see him, and after laying his hands on him and praying him, he was healed. So the people of the city and the area they brought all their their people who were diseased and sick, they brought him the Apostle Paul, and Paul healed them, or God healed them through the Apostle Paul. And that comes to our third point in our outline. Storms are opportunities, number three, to be on mission to serve others. And the emphasis is to serve others. And let me ask you, storms could be opportunity to serve others. Is that possible? That while you're going in the thick of your storm, with well, the worst maybe times in your life, that's opportunities for you to serve others, is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I, I've often given counsel to people who, who come to me in the midst of their storm and they become so self-focused that it's all about them, and it's all about them getting out of their storm, and that's all their focus. How can I get out of the storm? But in the midst of the storm, if they could put their focus on something else and, instead of themselves, and I usually tell them, once you put your focus on someone else and help them, maybe someone else that's going through a storm, maybe similar to them, and maybe minister to them during that time and take it off themselves. And we find that God will even use that ministry as they're ministering to others to often encourage their own hearts in their own storm. And we see that. I've seen that many, many times happen. And and that storm can be a tremendous opportunity to serve others, is what we find out. That when we're going through our storms, don't be so focused that it's all about me and what I'm going through. But man, God, you can use this as a tremendous time to minister to the others. The Apostle Paul looked at all this, and one of the things we find he didn't do during the storm is he didn't complain. He didn't complain. He didn't say, oh man, they should have listened to me. They didn't listen to me, and now look where we are. We shouldn't have changed ships, or maybe we should have just stayed and." Caesarea. He didn't say any of that, did he? No, he's there. He's in his storm. He doesn't know why all this has happened, except the three points that we have. It's an opportunity to encourage others with God's truth. It's an opportunity for him to give thanks in the middle of a storm. It's an opportunity for him to serve others during his storm, and that's exactly what he did. Now, all of us, we have storms, but we need to look through opportunity to serve and minister to others during our storms. And some of you this morning may be going through a storm of your own. You got a storm. And some of you today, uh, maybe you're not in a storm, but get ready, because probably a storm's coming, because that's just part of life. And sometimes we go through seasons of our life where one storm after the other storm, after the other storm, after the other storm comes in our lives. And I want to let you know that you're not here alone that we want to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to come alongside of you and give you the promises of God's word and the truths that come from his word and help you through that and help you as much as we can and not just throw you the life preserver of God, but be there in the midst of your storm to help you through that. And what I want to do, I want to close with a passage of scripture and I wanted to write this passage down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Where the apostle Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And what this passage says God comforts us and ministers to us in our storm so we can minister to others going through their storm with the comfort that we receive from God in our storm. Isn't it amazing? God is an amazing God, and God is so good that God takes the things that we go through, no matter if it's good things that we look at or not so good things, and God takes everything, and nothing goes to waste with God. You realize that? Nothing goes to waste with Him. That He takes those things that we've learned as we go through our storms, where we go through our difficulties, those hard circumstances, and He says, I'm going to use that in your own life so that during your life, now you can minister to someone else that's going through something similar. That God said, I'm not going to let it go to waste. And God is going to glorify himself through things that are going great in our life and things that are not going so great in our life. And God is an amazing God. Only God can do that. You and I can try to say that. I mean, Doug, you're going through this hard time. God, why am I going through this hard time? Because maybe one day Don's going to need some help or Tony's going to need some help. And God says, God, I'm letting you go through that, Doug, because one day you're going to have to minister to them. Or the same way with them. Maybe you're going through something, like Bob's going through something. One day, he's going to need to minister to me, right? And God does it. He's such an amazing God. Only God can plan things out like that. You and I can never do that. But God does that, and he's so gracious to us, because he doesn't leave you and I by ourselves, that every time we're going through a storm, we're looking around, where's God? Got says, I'm right here. I'm right here with you every step of the way and he's ministering to us and when we turn to him he will guide us and lead lead us so many times so many times he will lead us but what happens so many times and i see this over and over when people go through storms in their life what do they do they isolate themselves they stop going to church and they stop being in function that's the time when we need the body of christ to wrap their arms around. i know through health issues you can't go to church but that's the time where we need people to come around us and we need the body of christ to be there with us And so don't isolate yourself from that. Call on the body of Christ. That's what we're to come around you and share with you God's truth and share with you the promises of God and help you through your storms, right? Because we need each other. And God allows those storms in our life to many times for you and I to realize that God, I can't live this life without you, that I need you and I need other people too. And many times what God will do through your storms God could supernaturally do something amazing right there and stop the storm, but many times God will use other people to minister to you through your storm and help you. And we've got to allow that. Many times, oh no, I'm I'm all right. We need to allow people to help us through our storms. Amen? And God wants you, as you're going through your storm, to look for opportunities to minister to others, to share them God's truth, to help them through their storm, and to give thanks. Help them to see and give things that God's bigger than this storm, and he's going to get you through it, right? And to look for those opportunities to serve others. We want to encourage others. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you come and we praise you. We praise you, God, that we see that your goodness in all things, Lord. Even through those storms that we go in our own lives, Lord, those difficulties that we have many times, Lord, we might complain and grumble about them. But, Lord, help us to see our storms in a different light. Help us to see our storms, Lord, are opportunities. you to do great things opportunities lord for you to do amazing things in our life for our faith to grow and lessons to learn lord for us to draw closer to you but also opportunities for us to impact someone else's life for good to help them and minister to them so they too can minister to someone else as they go through their storm and it just keeps going down the line lord because we started it that it just impacts not only them but the next person and the next person down the line and, Lord, help us to look at our storms, those opportunities. That, Lord, that we don't get so self-focused on our storms that we lose sight of everything else that is going on around us. That, God, you are still on your throne, and nothing has changed. That you still love us, and you're still going to help us, and your power is bigger than our storm, Lord. That you, You're right there with us, and you've got a plan in the midst of this storm. We're not by ourselves. And, Lord, many times you send other people around us, to minister to us and help us and lord help us to be people who are humble enough to accept that help and wisdom and discernment and as they share the promises and the truth of god's word to us so lord, and help us to always be lord looking for those opportunities each one of us i pray for the person here who might be here this morning lord that doesn't know jesus christ as their savior i pray for them right now their soul that they might understand that they're a sinner in their need of a savior because of their sin, they're separated from God. And the only way they can have that relationship with God is because Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and today they might put their faith and trust in you. I pray for the person this morning, Lord, who's in a storm right now, whether it's a big storm or a small storm, whatever kind of storm they're going through right now, Lord, that you would help them to understand that you're right there with them in the thick of the storm, that you love them and that you care, and you want to give them the hope that they need right through the storm to realize that they're going to make it through that storm not because of who they are, because who you are, God, that you're bigger than the storm and you're going to guide and you're going to lead them and that they might turn toward you and follow you through that storm. Help us, Lord, to follow you. Help us to be obedient to you in our storms. Help us to not go try to find uh, wisdom and discernment from other places besides you and help as people come to minister to us, Lord, I pray that there are people who bring God's promises and his word to us, Lord, and minister to us through the truth of God's word. Help us to be those truth tellers too from God's word, Lord, to others. That we don't try to tell our own philosophies and stuff, Lord, but we lift up the word of God. That's what changes life. That's what gives people hope is the word of God and his promises that he gives us. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord. Even in our storms, we give thanks to you this morning. Lord, through these storms, you're teaching us and they're wonderful opportunities for us to see you first and to see others and minister to them. Lord, we love you and praise you. And Lord, I pray that every one of us this morning would see how good you are, that the goodness of God is amazing. But Lord, as I said, we love you and praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.